Hello, my name is Caroline Jenkinson. I am a strategic advisor to Stratus Consulting and a former deputy chairman of the Labour Court. And in that capacity dealt with a vast array of employment law cases and industrial relations dispute across both the private and public sector. I'm delighted to welcome you to the latest episode of the Stratus Insights podcast series. In this episode of our Insights podcast, we will focus on the challenging topic of managing private sector pay in 2022 in the face of the inflation challenge. So given the importance of this topic, I am delighted to be joined by Brenda McGinty, Managing Partner of Stratus Consulting, and our very special guest, Jerry McCormack, Deputy General Secretary for the Private Sector with SIP2. Brendan and Jerry have worked together professionally over all of their career, and so given their vast experience, are uniquely positioned to discuss this important issue facing employers and workers. So you're both very welcome, gentlemen, and thank you for joining me. I'm going to pose a question to you both, and perhaps maybe, Brendan, you might start. Sure. With inflation much higher than predicted, is it realistic now for unions to think that pay can follow inflation and indeed for employers to think it should not? Caroline, thanks for starting with the the easy question. Anyway, this is a hugely vexed issue and complex issue. And it's a huge challenge for, well, for everybody, frankly, at the moment. And look, it is a crisis uh, because nobody could have reasonably foreseen the pace at which inflation was going to take off and... I suppose if you think back to all the predictions that were happening last mid last year or even up to last autumn, none of the forecasters were anticipating that the in this kind of period of inflation was going to last as long as it has, has done. And clearly, none of us could have foreseen what was going to happen in, in terms of the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the further implications that has uh, for energy prices and, and for global trade and the implications all of that has for inflation. Now, I suppose you have to kind of, to some extent, uh, go back a little bit to basics uh, on, on this. And, and it is understandable that because of the pace at which all of this has happened, people are understandably seized of it because they see what's happening day and daily in terms of whether it's the price at the pump for their litre of diesel or petrol or the price of goods in the, in the, in the uh, supermarket or, or whatever. But the inflation piece in the context of pay, at least our view would be, look, and I think shared by most employers. Look, it's, 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 yes, of course, it's relevant, but it's only one part of the, uh, as a point of reference for consideration of how you address pay, pay and reward. I mean, as we all know, and, and Jerry will have seen this up and down the country in, in manufacturing in particular, in his, his previous role in SIP2, is that, look, you know, increasingly you have to look at all of this now on a kind of case-for-case case basis, because the first thing is, you know, for any business, you're saying, well, look, on a commercial uh, economic basis, what is reasonably doable, affordable and, and, and all of that? Yes, it's fair to say, look, uh, this is obviously enduring for longer than anyone would want or had expected last year. But when you unpick it, though, I think it's important to, 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 to identify there's lots of moving parts. You have, In some cases, you have the pay agendas being driven up by labour shortages for some skill sets and that's pushing up wages in, 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 in particular sectors. You you also, I suppose, have, I suppose, the risk. And this, this is a big issue for incomes policy nationally here in Ireland, is that if we were to allow uh, pay to really chase inflation, mm-hmm. 
you know, that comes at a hell of a price um, uh, because not only is there the problem uh, and we're seeing it, I mean, from the conversations we're having with employers, like, you know, they, they cannot, I suppose, meet that ask in truth because they can't pass on the cost. And if, if they were forced to do that, my concern is that over the next year, 18 months or whatever, if all of that were simply to come to pass, that also has an implication for the sustainability of jobs, particularly in sectors maybe that are more vulnerable or weaker for different reasons because of their, their, their competitive environment. And you see, uh, and in fairness, I understand obviously in the context of the pay conversation and SIP2 and, and, and other unions have been to the forefront in, in, in recent times, obviously, reminding everybody of the, of the importance of protection of living standards. But the other side of that is in a business context, the inflation story is having a huge impact as well because whether it's your energy, fuel, insurance or, you know, construction costs, God help us, you know, and we've seen electricity, you know, energy prices generally have, have, have shot up by somewhere of the order of 45% over, over the last year up to this April. So all of that is causing huge pressures. And I suppose, look, the, the, the key point in all of this is that we understand the pressure uh, that, that exists on, on, on people at the coalface, of course. But that's shared too by, by, by business. But the danger is that if we don't stay on top of it in a, in a managed way, we do run the risk of causing serious damage. And that would that's not in any of our interests. So it is about dealing with this case by case, circumstance, I think, by circumstance, but being realistic about what is achievable in the near term. Okay, Brendan, thank you. Being realistic. Jerry, what do you say to that? I mean, well, in fairness, Jerry has always been realistic. So. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, do we think that pay can follow inflation? I mean, from the union side, what do you think, Jerry? Yeah, well, it's probably a bit of a loaded question, I have to mm. say, you know, to follow inflation. Mm. Uh, I think Brendan probably put his finger on when he said there's lots of moving parts when it comes to pay. Uh, we have a strategy, SIP2 has a strategy on pay across the private sector, and we've had one for over 10 years now because we've had to deal with the fallout from the financial crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had deflation. We've had very little inflation. In fact, most new people in employment now have never seen inflation. In fact, uh, if you look at the ECB strategy on inflation, uh, they've always been trying to get it up to a point of around 2% which they've nearly never got. Yeah, or even it's across always been the historical. Yeah, it's, historical. it's always been lower. Mm-hmm. And uh, historically, for, well, at least for the last 10 years, our strategy has been to, to get pay increases across the private sector. And we have. We record them. We have a database on them. We have something around 2,500 agreements completed. And all of them, generally speaking, uh, were above the level of inflation. Uh, now, not substantially above, but of course, inflation was flat or very slight, or in some cases, actually uh, going down. So it was successful. Uh, we were putting money in, in workers' pockets. And to be fair, employers were quite happy to deal with us on that basis as well. You know, very positive. 99% of the cases where we would have negotiated pay with employers um, was done locally, balloted on and agreed. I think Brendan will know uh, we're now in free collective bargaining. Uh, we don't have centralised bargaining anymore. We don't have sectoralised bargaining. Mm-hmm. So it's a different dynamic. It's not like what it used to be in the 70s when we had inflation. Now, I'm old enough to remember uh, getting a 17.5% pay increase. Inflation was running at 20. 
right? People wouldn't believe those kind of figures now. Uh, 6.5% is tiny compared to what we used to go through in those times. Um, and it was really bad. We were really poor times then. There's a lot of dynamics around inflation from our perspective. Uh, some of it not very straightforward. Brendan clearly picked on some of the main ones, such as mm-hmm. energy prices, mm-hmm. the Ukraine crisis, uh, a lot of issues around uh, Brexit and supply chain issues. And we have been dealing with those and dealing with them for quite a while now. Brexit has been a, a particular problem for this country. We then had, uh, coming up to last year, we were told we would have a spike in inflation. That's what the government told us. Uh, it was going to be a spike in inflation. We understood that. Not something that concerned us greatly. Um, we understood that it was to start to come back down. So over a period of 12 months, the spike would make much difference. In fact, uh, when you averaged out inflation, even up to a couple of months ago, it was still only running at about 2.5%, 3%. It's not very high when you average it out over a period. But this has now moved to a point where inflation is moving much higher mm. uh, and is continuing to rise and it's going to be for a longer period of time. And I think as Brendan said, everybody sees what's happening at petrol pumps, you see in the shops, you can see but there's goods or services, the prices are going up. Now there are other reasons why inflation are going up apart from those which, uh, which doesn't make us very happy either. Uh, and a lot of it uh, is around price gouging that's taking place across the economy. There are quite a few businesses, not all of them, but there are quite a few businesses who are increasing their prices simply because there is inflation. And they're increasing them above a level which will be acceptable given the level of actual inflation in the economy. And I think that's very unfair of them. And it's something that happened in the past. In terms of the direct question, Caroline, should we Mm. be following it? We don't actually follow it, is the truth, right? Pay increases as we see them at the moment. And I have them actually, we have a report coming into us every month. So... The latest data coming into us on pay increases is not six and a half percent. What's coming through is the traditional two and a half percent, three and a half percent, four and a half percent. Agreements are now shorter in duration, and that's a strategy that we've adopted. And of those two and a half thousand agreements that I talked about, ninety-five percent of those agreements are made up of huge number of different parts, depending on the particular company that that you're dealing okay. with. So uh, the headline percentage increase on pay is only one part of it. And sometimes the actual pay increase can be more Mm -hmm. because other elements of pay have been included. And such things like increased annual leave, lump sum payments, the 500 euro voucher that being given out tax free. Small small benefits exemption scheme. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All all that kind of stuff. So, So it's really good, right? So I don't think the question is fair in the sense that we're trying to follow inflation. Mm-hmm. What we said is we're trying to protect our members' incomes mm-hmm. up to the level of inflation, which will be lots of moving parts. And I just want to say this as well. Because we do collective bargaining, free collective bargaining on an individual basis in each employment, our negotiations are geared towards that particular employment. So there are some that can clearly afford to pay it, can clearly absorb the costs. There are those who can't. And there's everything in between. And what we have as part of our strategy is what we call an ability to pay, as opposed to the old strategy mm-hmm. of inability, inability to pay. Yeah. Yeah. So what is their ability to pay? So if you can't pay 2.5% or 4.5% or whatever the rate might be, well, what can you pay? Yeah. Can we pay something? So it might be 1%, it might be half a percent. You know, in some places where mm-hmm. they haven't had increases for 10 years, we've started to get increases. And employers have been very positive towards this as well. So our strategy is is built around 
our negotiations being different than the perception of just simply a negotiation on a basic increase. There are some places you go in and all they want to do is 2% here, 3% for whatever it might be on the basic rate and out the door you go. And that's fine. But by and large, that's not how it operates. All right. Well, Jerry, you mentioned there about, you know, 95% of some of these deals are made up of different aspects other than just the pay increase. But if we look more generally, how should parties now at this stage be approaching pay discussions given the current economic uncertainties that we have? And we've quite a number of uncertainties, not just the whole question of inflation. But I mean, you've mentioned some of them yourself. You know, there's the impact of the Ukrainian war, the difficulties with supply chains. There's a lot of uncertainties there at the moment. Yeah, well, I I think the strategy we've adopted, which I think is the correct one, is to do short to medium agreements rather than the longer ones that we've traditionally done. So we take into consideration what's in front of us at the moment. I I think that makes sense. This is not just an issue for trade unions and employers. I mean, the government have a big role to play in this as well. See, from our perspective, um, if you look at the impact of inflation, the impact of, on inflation is going to be felt greatest by those on the lowest levels of pay. 27,000 people in Ireland are on low pay, precarious work. And most of those workers are not getting pay increases at all. They're in sectors that don't get pay increases or they're on fixed income like people on pensions and so on. We've had DB schemes decimated over the last 20 years. We've now DC schemes that don't have um, any form of uh, escalation in them. So it's very difficult for those. And the reality is, is that we have people who are making choices as to whether to put diesel or petrol in their car or whether to put food on the table. That's how bad it is with an awful lot of people in this country. And the government have a role to play. So it shouldn't be up to just us or it shouldn't be up to just employers to try to fill the gap. We need to talk about a social wage. We need to talk about the living wage. There are lots of stuff that we need to include in this discussion. And uh, I think maybe one of the questions later will deal with LEAF and its input into it as well. Uh, And I think there's a role for those in that because those people are really suffering. And we have examples of members of ours who have to make a choice as whether they'll drive to work or not because the cost of fuel is more than what they get paid on a day's wages. So it's really bad out there for a lot of people. It's all very fine for people like ourselves, maybe, who are on decent pay and decent conditions of employment. But when you're on the margins and you have inflation in the areas that you need to live, which is food and fuel, you're in real trouble. And that's, I think, the big problem we have to face. Yes, indeed. Brendan, what do you say to that? Well, again, you see there are some inherent contradictions because, I mean, as we all know at the moment, of course, unemployment is incredibly low. What is it? Last time at 4.8% or whatever. Now, look, I know... Jerry and colleagues will, will, will speak to the issue of the quality of employment is just as important as the, as, as, as the numbers, right? But I think within the pay kind of conversation, there's a couple of kind of key things I think that we see happening. Obviously, you know, Jerry spoke earlier about kind of where the pay thing was at and the run rate, you know, last year was whatever you might say in or around sort of that sort of two, two and a half percent kind of territory, give mm-hmm. or take, right? And, and yes, you know, that's been creeping up and is under pressure at the moment for obvious reasons partly because of obviously the, the, that inflation issue as, as, a, as a factor. But the other thing that struck me, and it kind of, in fairness to Jerry, it bears out a little bit of what he was saying about the distinction he, he drew about, you know, not necessarily following inflation, but about trying to protect uh, living standards. Uh, and, and, and that distinction, I think, was captured for me a little bit by the analysis that was recently done, I think, by IRN uh, News, you know, that showed obviously that, look, um, 
settlements were edging up, but they were still well short of the current kind of inflation rate, right? Which again is what we're kind of seeing on the ground. Yes, the you know there, there's absolutely a creep in, in terms of the rate, but there is a there is a, a a level of responsibility I think being shown, at least evidenced in our experience at the negotiating table, which I think is is, is positive and should be acknowledged. At the same time, of course, you know, people have to sort of make their case and all the rest of it. And we've noticed, like, there is a bit of a tendency on the part of, say, some unions to say, well, look, you know, we managed to get X percentage in a certain location, but that location might happen to be a very low paid employer. And therefore, you know, if you got X on the rate, mm-hmm. the percentage might be relatively yeah, high well. compared yeah. to, you know, that, but that might have little relevance for the person the down the road, you yeah. know. Uh, so there's a little bit of that kind of happening, which you can, can can understand. But in terms of what we're seeing on the ground, yes, the point about shorter agreements, you know, where maybe up to, you know, quarter three of last year, yeah, three-year agreements were kind of not unusual, far far less obvious today, one to two agreements. We are seeing problems in the domestic sector still, you know, post-COVID and so on, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's in hospitality or elsewhere, where there's very little happening in reality on pay, except for... Uh, and this is back to this point about the moving parts where you have uh, skill shortages and if you can't get people and so on, you know, employers are, are having to, to make decisions about what they would do uh, necessarily on pay. Um, but again, the piece, though, about, yes, there are the other elements that Jerry has talked about beyond pay, some issues obviously around things like leave and lump sums and so on. And uh, what we're seeing too is that particularly maybe where in the interest of trying to get a, a deal done at the right level of percentage that is sustainable for the business, mm-hmm. uh, there might be some engagement about other elements, one-off payments of one form or another uh, to try and sort of broker uh, broker a, a deal. And, and even, you know, tiered increases may mm-hmm. be directed towards the lower paid, yeah. assisting from higher paid people and, and that kind of thing. But the other, the other big thing, which we haven't mentioned, but just to kind of... Um, It'd be wrong not to mention it from certainly what we're hearing is, look, a lot of businesses are now very concerned about all lots of other stuff that are coming at them. We have statutory sick pay about to hit uh, at, at whatever point the legislation gets finalised. That obviously has implications. You have at whatever point it happens, the whole issue of auto-enrolment in terms of pensions. Jerry's talked about the prospective living wage issue, which governments say they're committed to. Uh, on other kind of leave proposals and all of that. It's it's about the collective impact of all of that, which businesses are, are, are certainly concerned about. And that has a knock-on effect. And it were, today, to enter into a set of pay negotiations, you really need to have a very strong field of view about what's happening in your environment. Um, Jerry, if I could just come to you. Um, now, SIP2 seemed to have indicated its intention to reopen some of the pay deals that have already been agreed. I mean, what do you believe should be the status of these earlier deals that were done on pay, which were concluded in good faith and expected to be honours honoured before we had this current spike in inflation? So what's your view on that, Jerry? Yeah, well, firstly, there are not too many that are being reopened. Okay. Uh, the decisions are entirely up to our officials and the shop stewards on the job to see whether they will or they won't. But what we're talking about is not what has already happened in terms of pay or whatever is in the agreement. It's whatever spillover there may be. For example, if you've done an agreement in 2020 and it's just 2021, 22, up until the end of the year 2022, it's not the 19 or the 20 or the 21 that we're looking at. It's yeah. where it spills over into 22. Okay. And again, the same would apply uh, in terms of what we're seeking. Uh, what we've asked officials to do is to seek, as Brendan has said, rather than 
percentage pay increases, lump sum payments. Okay. Now, the voucher is a big issue for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we have um, been campaigning to get that increased because the more you increase that one, it's it, everybody puts their part into it. So the so tax-free element. The tax-free yeah. element, of course, yeah. And then, of course, that's much, much more beneficial for low-paid workers. Of course, yeah. The money is paid into the community uh, and the company that we like to do a deal with uh, is an Irish company mm-hmm. and they can actually... Um, they can have actually have those vouchers for the local community in the okay. local town where you live, which yeah. is very, very good. So you're keeping yeah, the money in the, in the local community. So it's not that we're just opening up the agreement and saying we want to renegotiate it from, from day one. It's anything going forward. If, if the people uh, in the job are so minded to do so, yeah. they may just very well leave the agreement where it is. Uh, we haven't got a lot of data back on it yet where we've actually opened up any of them. But we are approaching employers saying, look, is there something you can do to alleviate this? Maybe a voucher, maybe an extra lump sum, maybe some form mm-hmm. of payment. So it's not, we're not trying to undo, renegotiate, to yeah. renegotiate. Yeah, we're asking for something to add on to what's there already okay. in, in, in real terms. And in fairness, some employers have approached us and said, listen, we understand mm-hmm. where the situation is. Okay. And they've actually offered to put something on the table in forms of lump sums and so on. And what's happening is, is where, where an agreement is due to start negotiations, they might start negotiations on it early or they might start backdating it so that there's a lump sum payment that's right. built up over a period. So I think there's a lot of imagination taking place. Yeah. Uh, it's not like what, you know, I remember a particular report saying to me, are we going to have a winter of discontent, mm. right? She wanted me to say it, there was going to be a winter of discontent. <laughs> there's not going to okay. be a winter of discontent as far as okay. we're concerned. We want to do this reasonably. We want to do it with employers. We would like the government to assist us and they need to assist us in terms of what I said, you know, housing and housing is not just the price of building. Mm. Housing is the cost of mm. rent, mm. people trying to get mortgages, yeah. young people. I mean, it's, it's, it's terrible it's hard. Difficult, yeah. It's crazy. Jerry, thank you. Brendan, on that particular topic about reopening some of the agreements that have already been agreed and well, would expect to be offered. Well, well, first of all, just acknowledge what Jerry has just said, which, which actually is a very useful kind of clarification mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the, the approach position. that the union yeah. taking, because I can tell you when mm-hmm. that particular uh, piece landed, whenever it was uh, back some time ago, it caused a lot of this is about reopening. Yeah, about reopening the existing because yeah. you know, I mean, look, any, any deal that you do is hard won, right? Uh, let, let's be honest, right? No matter what side of the table you're on, and the last thing you want to be doing is, is having to go back and revisit it, right? Anytime soon. Uh, but it did cause a lot of angst, uh, certainly. I know amongst employers and a few people we were uh, uh, dealing with, right? And for good and obvious reasons, right? I mean, look, if you do a deal, everybody's expected to honour it, and in fairness. You know, to Jerry, if the shoe was on the other yeah. foot, he'd be saying to an exactly. employer, you know, well, look, you know, you need to sort of stay at post and, and honour the deal you've just uh, just done. Now, it's it's like, in fairness, if there's a review clause in the agreement, yes, yeah. right, and if, the, and if the parties come to the table willingly, then good luck yeah. to them as far as I'm concerned, right? But, you know, it can't be on the basis of, of compulsion and, and, and all the rest of it. In fairness, you know, on the employer side of the house back in whenever it was 2020, when albeit amidst the ping pong of inflation over the last couple of years when it was negative, you yeah. know, our employers didn't kind of go back to agreement and say, can we have money of back? Of course, right? yeah. But uh, look, that's a very useful clarification and it's, and it's appreciated. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Okay, if I could just now talk a little bit about um, protection of employment, because obviously with inflation, higher increases, it's going to have an impact on competitiveness and sustainability of employment. 
So, Brendan, I might come to you first on this at this point. Like, is protection of employment as big a priority in any pay conversation as well as considerations about cost of living? Well, I'll tell you what my worry is, uh, Caroline, and, and is this, that I think at the moment we're in a slightly unusual place, right? Because on the one hand, we have 4.8% unemployment uh, and people might say, well, happy days. If you want a job, you can get a job kind mm-hmm. of stuff, right? Okay, we have the inflation crisis and all the rest of it, right? But we have a tsunami of problems, mm. right? Uh, because of what's happening internationally, never mind, you know, anything of our own making here domestically, right? And And the worry is that if the wheels come off the wagon and we start to go into reverse on the unemployment front, then we could have quite a quite a serious problem. And in fairness to the unions and Congress, and I know in particular have, have acknowledged, I think that, look, they're just as concerned to think about, about the job sustainability mm-hmm. issue as they are about the cost of living crisis, especially on the back of what's happening uh, in, in, in Ukraine and all the rest of it. But obviously it'll have different impacts for diff- different uh, uh, sectors. But in, in that sort of mix for me, it's about uh, making sure we don't do the wrong things. And that back to the core issue of today's topic, it's about saying, look, there needs to be a sensible, balanced conversation at the level of, en- of the enterprise about what is reasonably doable. And all of that can be validated and challenged and so on. But you come out the other end with an acceptable deal. But in my view, for the foreseeable period, certainly through this year and into next, if we allow ourselves into that sort of pay chases inflation kind of vacuum, it will cost jobs and I mean, that remembers well, and in fairness, the unions will know this, that causes the trade union movement just as many problems course, as it does yeah. uh, for, for employers. Yeah. Jerry, what do you think about that, this whole issue of sustainability of employment? Yeah, well, look, I think as Brendan said, it is just as important an issue for us as it is for, mm-hmm. for anyone else. Uh, again, I go back to our strategy. Our strategy is not to cause cripple an employer what, what would the logic of it be mm-hmm. on a pay claim now there will always be some that will teeter over the edge very few very few uh, but it does happen uh, but by and large and we're talking about the, the generality of it um, we do as I said take into consideration you know oh, there are a lot of elements to take into consideration when you're doing pay it's not just inflation in fact inflation wasn't even a consideration up mm-hmm. until now it's only becoming a consideration mm-hmm. But you would take, obviously, the profitability of the company, its mm-hmm. ability to stay in employment. Uh, we argued for quite a long time that, you know, it, particularly in manufacturing, that we need to keep a manufacturing base in this country. Uh, those countries that have a large manufacturing base, particularly European countries, are countries that got through the financial crisis far better than this country did. Mm-hmm. So it was always very important for us to make sure that we kept manufacturing. So when we negotiate with employers, it's always on the understanding uh, that we're not going to have an, any kind of a serious impact in terms of employment levels. Now, employers make up their own mind at the end of the day. We are free collective bargaining, but we're also in a capitalist society where employers, business, decide how they're going to run the businesses. And some of them, you know, for all sorts of reasons, will go out of business, they will stop trading, they will close down, and some of them will just decide we're making profits in Ireland, but we're not making enough. So we're heading back to wherever. Yeah. And I've seen it happening. Yeah, and we had the best of agreements with those employers. Mm-hmm. So it's not our intention to create issues that would lead to problems around employment. Definitely is not. Um, but my issue, uh, and certainly what we're seeing on the ground, is not so much the problem with inflation at the moment. It's the potential for, um, it's the potential for recession in a couple of years in this country. I think we're heading down that road. Uh, I think it's going to be bad. Um, And that, I think, is going to have a huge impact on on employment levels at that stage. 
gosh, that's a very sombre note, all right. Um, we talked a little bit, uh, or hinted a little bit at the LEAF. Um, obviously, that's the employer, the Labour Employer Economic Forum. Mm-hmm. What, Brendan, what role do you see, if any, um, for the LEAF in dealing with this current challenge? Well, I actually do believe uh, that they need to get on about their business here, okay. right? Because we are in the midst of a particular crisis and, and there are lots of um, factors informing that, right? And um, it is the one avenue by which there appears obviously to be a meeting of minds, at least in terms of the willingness to engage on, on, on these sorts of issues. And it's the only real vehicle that's available mm-hmm. to you know, in terms of the collective will of yeah. the business community and employers and obviously uh, the trade unions on behalf of workers of government, right? And I wish them well with that. But I think I should also say that, look, business has a genuine interest too in making sure that some of these issues, you know, that Jerry has touched on are also addressed because business is also in the, you know, has the challenge of attracting and retaining talent. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it be, you know, attracting workers into the country or keeping you know, the talent that they already have. So things like childcare costs, which we know are through the roof, particularly in urban centres, is a huge problem. Um, Not enough has been done about that. Mm -hmm. The whole sort of issue of housing and and transport costs, of Mm -hmm. course, are are the very obvious ones as well as others. And I suppose, look, I know then within that, on the other side of that, you know, business will want government to sort of acknowledge the impact of some of their own proposals around some of these other issues about, as I say, sick pay and auto enrolment mm-hmm. and so, some of the more, let, let's call it the basket of additional sort of um, employment rights based activity that government, you know, obviously are committed to, but that has an impact in terms of cost. So how does all of that kind of get, uh, get, get, get addressed? But the other bit, I suppose, just to be a little bit provocative, is I do wonder uh, whether there is a time uh, and whether it's now where, not that anyone is talking about going back to national bargaining or anything of mm-hmm. that nature, but because of the challenges that everybody is struggling with out there, whether there should be some greater direction from the centre in terms of rules of the game, guidance to parties about, look, you know, the importance of things that, you know, certain, we we would agree with it here across the table around the, that whole sustainability of jobs piece, yeah. for example, which I suspect, to Jerry's point about the risk of recession, will mm. really come to, to the top of the agenda of the next couple of years. And dare I mention whether there's the basis for some sort of, even in the private sector, some sort of a new, call it what you will, but a, a sort of a private sector protocol around how pay and related matters might be might be uh, dealt with uh, at, at enterprise level but we have some general guidance that doesn't take away anything from the right of any party to do what they want at local level but that there is some articulation of the critical factors that should be at play and I, I think that could add substantially to providing a level of confidence and, and guidance to, to, to people who are who may find themselves struggling about how to navigate this complexity uh, over the coming uh, year, 18 months. Very good. Thank you, Brandon. Jerry, would you like to address that issue about LEAF and what do you think they can do in the current situation? Yeah, well, there are discussions taking place with LEAF at the moment um, that I'm aware of. I'm on the National Executive Council of ICTU as well. Um, We get reports from the General Secretary and the two other officers that attend those meetings. And they are talking all around the particular points. Uh, and I, I accept the point Brendan is making. They need to get on with it. We need, mm. we need to, to, to do things. Yeah. Um, and um, 
I think this issue about the vouchers and stuff mm-hmm. like that, I think, are yeah. going to play themselves out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Private Sector Committee of Congress met today and obviously the General Secretary would brief them. It's not something we're putting out publicly, okay. but she would have breached the, or briefed the, the various unions on, on the discussions at, at, at the level of LEAF. And uh, the government have a lot of things that they need to do. I mean, Brennan mentioned, you know, employers trying to keep employees yeah. if you can't house them. I mean, we have 30,000 yeah. Ukrainian refugees now that we have to try and house. It's going to be very difficult mm-hmm. to house 30,000 refugees and then people to get rent. I'm aware of people who, particularly in this city, yeah. simply can't get a place to stay. That's going to be very difficult. Yeah. And when they do find a place to stay, then the prices are crazy. Yeah. You know, rentals have gone, have gone mad. Sure. So they need to do something on the whole area of housing, which they've been messing around with for the last five or six years and haven't really resolved it. So that needs to get resolved. So there's housing and there's, and there's, and there's inflation yeah. in houses. I think it's 10% inflation and the cost of building a house now or 15%. I mean, it's, it's absolutely ludicrous yeah. stuff. And um, they, they need to fulfil that role, I think, as Brendan says, um, sooner rather than later. Um, uh, the point Brendan makes about the, the various pieces of legislation coming down the track, mm-hmm. that stuff is basic stuff at a European level, right across the continent. We are way behind other countries when, when it comes to protection for employees, like auto enrolment, like sick pay and so on. I mean, it is most employers will pay. Mm-hmm. What we're trying to do and what will happen is, is that at least you'll have a level playing field for all employers if everybody has to pay the same amount. So, I mean, I, I don't buy that argument whatsoever, to be quite honest with you. And, and it's something we need in this country. We need to we need to have decent terms and conditions for people and we need to be able to attract them into employments. We have industries now in sectors where they simply cannot get workers. We're having to get mm, workers from outside yeah. of the EU yeah to fill positions and they're actually having to pay them higher rates of pay than they would otherwise to do them here. We have a skills shortage. We need to train people up in all the different levels of employments in the the, the sectors where, where they don't have them. You look at the meat industry, you know, two-thirds of the workers are from outside the EU coming in. And I mean, it's there's stuff that we need to be doing and getting on with. And Brendan and I will go back, uh, even on your IBEC times, Brendan, when we discussed that we needed to have a forum uh, for we can deal with issues that are not pay related. On the issue of pay, um, I'm not sure. We certainly do not want to go back to centralised bargaining. And, and I'm, I'm an advocate okay. of partnership, yeah. uh, but certainly not back to, to okay. centralised pay. I don't think it works. Uh, I oh. think that could have an inflationary issue depending on where it's pitched at. And generally, uh, it doesn't benefit those who are in low pay. That's our problem. Uh, we're quite fit to be able to negotiate with employers. We're sensible and reasonable. There's always be the unreasonable people, as as you know. <laughs> but by and large, people are reasonable. We get on with our business and we do it very well. Our people are very professional. Employers do the business and we do. We do not need to be told how to do it. We're well capable of doing it ourselves. Setting some rules around it. We have our own rules, which are good, I think. I think we know how to do our business and we'll continue to do our business. So... I wouldn't think they're going to try to interfere too much in how we do our business, to be honest with you. Okay, Jerry, thank you. Brendan and Jerry, thank you for a great conversation and for a very insightful, informative discussion. Lots of food for thought and some excellent pointers for both employers and workers to consider when it comes to private sector pay in this current very challenging environment. For anyone who would like further information or to access some of the resources Brendan has mentioned, we promise to include them in the show notes. We will also provide links to the resources in the insights section of our website, stratus.ie. 
So thank you to all of those who have taken the time to listen to this episode of the Stratus Insights podcast. Keep an ear for more and please remember to leave us a review after you listen. Have a lovely day. Look forward to talking to you all again. Thank you. Thank you.